How y'all doing? All right, there I am. I'm trying to get in the light here. Can you see me now? All right, wonderful, cool. Uh, Today we're starting a series called Warrior. We're talking about men. How many of y'all are men in here? How many of y'all love men? Should be all the females. Throw that out there. Throw it out there. All right, like a beach ball. All right, all right. Today we're starting a series called Warrior, and for the next four weeks we're going to talk about things that men deal with. We're going to be talking about some things from the Bible, and I promise you guys I'm not going to beat you up because I'm a guy, all right? Now, if I beat on you, i got to beat on me, and nobody likes to be beat on, all right? So just to let you guys know, we're going to have a fun time with this, uh, give you some heads up. How many of y'all were here for beautiful and you saw the man moments? All right, there's not going to be any woman's moments in here. Some of you are asking why, because I'm in charge. Thank you very much. Wonderful. And uh, what's going to be so cool about this is we're going to be looking at the life of David. And uh, so uh, I've been really, for the past three years, I've been dying to do a series on David. And we're going to do that. It was going to be two weeks. Then it was going to be three weeks. And then I said, okay, well, let's do it for four weeks. And I kind of want to go for eight weeks, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So going to have a good time. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17 today. So if you have your Bibles... Go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to get there eventually, all right? I want to just kind of give you guys, some, uh, give you guys a question. You know, and it's more of a statement lumped into a question. It's this. You know, when you think of God, what do you think about? What type of characteristics do you think about God? I think, you know, the Bible says that God is love, right? So God is love. So I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. God's love. Um, I think of uh, God as a protector, I think of God uh, as someone who is holy. Uh, I think of God in a lot of different areas. But one thing that might shock you, and it might be kind of surprising for you, the Bible says that God is a warrior. In fact, look at, this is from Exodus chapter 15, and this is a song that the Israelites are singing, and it says this, the Lord is a, what is that? The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You see, most of us, when we think of God, we think of love, we think of all this stuff, and he is all of those things. But God, the Bible describes him as a fierce warrior. What about Jesus? You know, when we think of Jesus, I don't know about you, but I think of like, you know, growing up in church, I think of Jesus as somebody who's really good with kids, kind of like a Mr. Rogers type of dude who, you know, puts on his sweater vest. And, you know, does his sneakers, kind of a, something like this. You know, just, uh, just a Jesus, you know, and he just wouldn't hurt a fly, right? Jesus, and, and, and Jesus was very good with children. A lot of people were attracted to Jesus because he loved them no matter what. And that is a good picture of Jesus, but that is not the complete picture of Jesus. Because in Revelation chapter 19, let me, let me just share with you how Jesus is described. Jesus is described coming back at the end of the age. And some of you have heard this name, Apocalypse, right? And that's what Revelation 19 is all about. He comes back, he's riding a white horse, he's dressed in all white, he's tatted up, and he's come to pick a fight. Some of you are like, that's in the Bible? It's in there. You need to read it. Revelation chapter 19. He's coming and, and, you know, we think of apocalypse. You know, we think that all these warring and battles and stuff like that. But let me tell you, there is no battle. Jesus comes back and he goes, and everybody dies. Seriously. 
I mean, everybody's like, we're going to go against God, and, and all it takes is Jesus to just barely lift his pinky, kind of like he's special forces, and everybody's dead, right? Everybody. So this is maybe a really good picture of Jesus that we need to think about for this series, right? Because Jesus is a warrior. In fact, in John chapter 1, he's described that he, he forms a whip, and he went into the temple where all the money changers and all the religious people who were taking advantage of other people, and he drives them all out. Our God is a fierce warrior. And I promise you during these next four weeks, guys, I'm not going to beat up on you. We're going to talk about what what we need to become. Because here's the thing, I think, the reason why 60% of all the people in church are female, we talked about that in Beautiful, is because so many times we want to make our guys into women. We want to emasculate them because we think, you know what, in order to be a Christian, you got to be a Mr. Nice Guy. you got to be a Mr. Rogers. And yes, God does call us to love, but God also calls us to stand up and to fight. Jesus said it himself. He says, he says you know what? I, I didn't come into the world just to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So Jesus is a warrior. Our God is a warrior. And he's calling us, you and I today, men, to be warriors. So here's what I want us to do. I believe that God is looking for some men to become warriors this morning. In fact, listen to how Ezekiel puts it. Ezekiel says this, God asks a question. I looked for a what? I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I found what? I found none. So my prayer today, guys, my prayer for the next month, guys, is that we would be able to stand up and fulfill our God-given destiny. I feel like so many times men are told who they're not. And I'm going to tell you who you are. In God, you are a warrior. You don't have to take it lying down. You are a warrior. Now, I want to say this from the get-go. We're going to be talking about a definition of manhood during these next four weeks. And I'm just going to throw out this four-part definition. And we're going to be breaking each one of these down every week. Here it is. Real men... Reject, what's that word? All right. Real men reject what? I don't want anybody being passive in here. Let's say it one more time. Real men reject. All right. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, next one. Real men accept responsibility. Real men lead courageously. And real men stand Absolutely. Now, here's what's so cool about this, is for all four parts of this four-part definition, we're going to see a snapshot of the life of David. The first one is this, David was a warrior. Real men reject passivity, he was a warrior. The the next we're going to be looking at real men accept responsibility, and that's what a king does. A king doesn't pass the buck. A, A leader doesn't pass the buck. Do you hear me? Because so many times people, and we could talk about this politically, we could talk about this in, in a job situation, real men says the buck stops with me. They take responsibility. Not only that, real men lead courageously, and that is a mentor. 
They lead courageously. We're going to talk about David and his family. And lastly, real men stand together. They're a friend. The cool thing about David, he was a warrior. In fact, we're going to be talking about, if some of you have never been to church before, you probably heard the story. Some of you who've been in church, maybe you've been to VBS, you've heard this story, and I'm going to, we're going to put it in technicolor for you today. All right? Now, so we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 17, and David fights a big giant, right? Now, then, not only that, David was a warrior, but he was also this. David was also a poet, and he was a musician. David was a very good friend. He became king. We see all of these multi, multi-facets of David. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to get to it eventually. But this, before we get to it, I've got to give you some background. All right? Background is this. Israel had a lot of enemies. A lot of enemies. In fact, their enemies, there were the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the mosquito bites, they were still all back around in there, all right? And one of the enemies of Israel were called Philistines, not Philistinites, but Philistines, all right? Now, here's the thing. Give you some background before we get to David and this giant. is 400 years before David was born. How many years? 400 years before David was born, God gave the Israelites, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you a land. I promised you this land, and here's what we're going to be calling it, the promised land. It's getting crazy around here, I know. So he promises them a land, and he says, here's what I want you to do. It's a land, beautiful land, and they got vineyards, they got wells that you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, all of this stuff. And... (laughs) You didn't have to do any of this stuff. They did it, but you're going to go in, and here's what you need to do. You need to kill everybody. Everybody say everybody. Kill everybody. And that was his command. Because if you don't kill everybody, they're going to come back to haunt you. All of these people are evil. I've given all of these people a chance. Now I'm giving this land to you. So God says, I'm giving you a land. I'm promising you a land. And he tells Moses to pick out 12 spies. And in these 12 spies, he picks them out, and he says, I want you to go and I want you to survey the land. I want you to come up with a battle plan, and this is what happens. They come back, and two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back with a good report. But 10 of the spies did not. In fact, this is what they said. The people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw what? We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, let me tell you, what's amazing about this is Joshua and Caleb and Moses and all these six million Israelites, they had spent so much time. I mean, God had rescued them miraculously from Egypt. From bondage. He gave, you know, he sent 10 plagues. He parted the Red Sea. He did all of this amazing stuff. He led them every night with fire, like a cloud of fire, and then just like a cloud of rain during the day. He led them. He miraculously showed up, and yet they get into this spot and they totally forget the bigness of God and all they saw were these giants. And they became afraid, they became passive. And because they voted on, how many of y'all want to go in the land? Any of y'all, any of y'all, not? Nope, all right, we're not doing it. Because they became passive, God says, for your punishment, for 40 years, you're going to wander around in the wilderness. Everybody's going to die except Joshua and Caleb. 
And 40 years later, you're all going to come back and your descendants, and we're going to see if they're going to be passive. So 40 years later, that's what happened. They said, we're going in, bro. We're going in. How many of y'all want to vote for it? Now, we ain't voting this time, Jack. Right? And they decided to go in, and they started killing some people, killing some giants. And some tribes, there were 12 tribes made of the nation of Israel. Some tribes did a really good job wiping out the giants. Other ones didn't. They're like, you know what? That ain't my problem. You know what? I got my hill. That's somebody else's issue. And still, they were fearful, and they were passive. 400 years later, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. The Philistines gathered for battle, and Saul... Now, by the way, we're going to read about him. Saul is the current king of Israel. Saul and the Israelites assembled at the camp in the Elah Valley, where they got ready to fight the Philistines. The Philistines lined up on one hill, and the Israelites on another, and with a valley in between them, a man named who? I'm sorry, this is an off-skate morning, people. A man named who? Goliath. All right, are we there? All right, all right, it's not on there. All right, there you go. A man named Goliath from the city of Gath came out from the Philistine camp to challenge the Israelites. He was over, let's say this together, nine feet tall. In fact, in the original language, it's nine feet, nine inches. This joker was tall. I mean, how high is a current... Um, uh, thing on a basketball, with a, you know, 10 foot, right? This dude would have been a great NBA player. Now, I want to show you just how nine feet tall. I am six foot. Some of y'all thinking, no, you four foot. I am six foot, I promise you. This right here is almost 10 feet. This dude, now think about it. When he raises his arms, how big is he now? He really big, right? He's 11, 12 feet, right? This dude was tall. So he comes out, a dude about this height, and starts yelling at everybody. This giant. Now notice, now this is so very important because this is really where our big idea lands today. 400 years before this, there were giants in the land. And, and God told them, you need to clear them out. And did they listen? No, they did not. So 400 years later, guess what's still around? A big problem, a big giant problem. And here's the thing, and here's our big idea for today. Running away never fixes a giant problem. You've got to face it head on. You see, 400 years earlier, they were passive, they were afraid, and the giants grew, and we're getting ready to read, they become better fortified. Let's read that. Verse 4, a man named Goliath challenges the Israelites. He was over nine feet tall and wore bronze armor that weighed 125 pounds. 125 pounds. This joker, I've, I've, I've put on some of y'all's rucksacks, and I put it on, and I go, ugh. Right? But 125 pounds? Dear Jesus. 125 pounds, and he wore a bronze helmet. Don't even know how much that weighs. His legs were also protected by bronze armor. He carried a bronze javelin slung over his shoulder. His spear was as thick as the bar on a weaver's loom. And it's, what does that say? Iron head. We're going to come back to that. His iron head weighed about 15 pounds on the end of this javelin. A soldier walked in front of him carrying a shield. How well fortified was this giant? 
would you want to see this joker in a dark alley? Now, just follow with me. I didn't know this. It wasn't intuitive for me. I had to look this stuff up. 400 years before when God told him, you need to wipe everybody out. Let me tell you what the age of this. Around 1400 BC, it was called the Bronze Age. Everybody say the Bronze Age. You know why it was called the Bronze Age? Because everything was made out of bronze. That's right. All the weapons of warfare were bronze. Again, it's getting crazy here, all right? Now, hear me on this one, guys. 400 years later, the giants are bigger, and guess what age they're in now? Something called the Iron Age. You know why it's called the Iron Age? Because they discovered iron. The tip of of his spear was made of what? Iron. Not only was this joker just as big 400 years earlier, but guess what? Technology has changed. Some of you, you, you've been in the army for so long, you've been in there 20 20 years, 25 years. You've seen how technology has changed over the past 25 years. Warfare is different now, right? Back in Vietnam, they did things differently than they do in Afghanistan because technology has changed. Here's the thing. If you run away from giants, what happens is they become bigger and they become better fortified. Some of you right now are facing some giant problems. You're facing, you know what, I just, and, and here's what, your, your method of dealing with it is to put your head in the sand. And let me tell you, that's not a healthy way of dealing with a problem. Your, your method, you know what, I'm just going to move. Some of you, you went from job to job to job, and you're going, man, all my employers are jacked up. These people are messed up. And the employers are going, it ain't us. It's you. Right? Some of you went from marriage to marriage to marriage going, I done married the same woman three times in a row. If I got all your ex-wives in here and they don't all live in Texas, you know what they would all say? They would say, you jacked up. You are the problem, right? And could it be that because we run away from our problems and we don't face them head on, our problems keep on growing and growing and growing. You've got to face a giant problem head on. You can't ignore it. You can't run from it. You can't cower in fear of it. Keep on going. It says this, verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted at the Israelites, What are you doing there lined up for battle? Choose one of your men to fight me. Here and now, I challenge the Israelite army. I dare you. You hear this? I dare you to pick someone to fight me. When Saul and his men heard this, what happened? They were terrified. By the way, who's Saul? He's the king. This is going to be so important. In fact, and I'm just going to go ahead and read this now. This is so, this this will blow your skirt up. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2 says this. You know the reason why Saul was made king? I'll tell you. It says this, his son Saul was the most handsome in the land. He stood head and shoulders taller than anybody else. So, you know who's qualified to fight a giant? Somebody who stands head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And yet, where is this king? He is terrified. Now, I want you to put this in perspective because we're getting ready to meet a person who ain't king and person who doesn't stand head and shoulders taller than everybody else. In fact, we're going to meet a person who's a teenager. How many of y'all are teenagers in here? 
we're going to meet somebody who's just like you, who faced a giant head on. When all the other grown-ups said, it ain't my problem. When all the other guys were passive and said, you know what, it ain't my problem. That's somebody else's problem. Saul's going, it ain't my problem. It's somebody else's problem. He's the dude who's taller than everybody. All right, let's look at this. Now, by the way, he says they were terrified. What kept the giants around for 400 years? Terror, them being afraid, passiveness. Now, I want to show you some pics. These are some pics that I took when I was in Israel. This is the Valley of Elah, the Valley of Elah. And this valley is about a mile wide. And on one side of the hill, the Philistines were there and Goliath is there. And I want you to picture a dude about as tall as this pole coming out and yelling, just yelling. Is anybody willing to fight me? In fact, we read in the Bible that he came and he did that day after day after day. In fact, when we, when, when, when we read a little bit farther in the story, he's, at one time, he's on his side. He's on the Philistine side of the hill. When we catch up with him later, he's done crossed over, and he's actually right in front of the Israelites going, you want a piece of me? Right? You know what happens when you ignore giant problems and you're passive? They come finding you. So here is, uh, this is so cool. There's, this is a little creek bed right there in the valley. And this little creek bed, there's all kinds of smooth stones. Right now it's dry because it's the summertime. But during the spring and the fall and the winter, it just has tons of water going through it. In fact, while I was there, I picked up some stones from this creek bed. These are two stones that I got from there. You're going, what's the point of these stones? (laughs) Wait, it's a coming. All right? So, another picture. We have another picture, Cindy? Just uh, not throw that other one. I just want to, I want you to throw that one. Yeah, yeah, here's some people picking stones. That ain't me though, by the way. So, but, uh, but I mean, I just want you to picture this. I'm standing on top of this city called Azekah taking these pictures and I'm just seeing this stuff that I have, I've read about and I've heard all of my life about a Goliath, a giant, and we're getting ready to meet a dude, a teenager by the name of David. By the way, that word David means beloved. And let's look at David. David is the youngest of eight sons. His father was Jesse. So he had eight sons. He was the runt of the litter. In fact, David was so young, he couldn't fight. He was a shepherd. That's what he did for a living. He watched sheep. So he would be out for months on end, not seeing anybody, just watching sheep. I mean, he was out there and, I mean, there was lions and tigers and bears. I mean, always wanting to attack the sheep. And he was always having to to keep the sheep safe because sheep don't protect themselves, right? I mean, he's out there all by himself. And he's reading the Bible and he's praying and he's writing songs and all this stuff while his older brothers are doing the war thing, are doing the army thing. So Jesse calls in David, says, hey... Get somebody else to take the sheep. I want to send a care package to my sons who are in battle. So that's what they do. They sit. They pick out some cheese, some bread, some PS3 games, and um, they decide to. You know, David's going to go into the battle on the front lines where the Israelites are, and is going to give them this care package. That's what we're going to pick up. Verse twenty. David got up early the next morning, left someone else in charge of the sheep. 
and took the food and went as Jesse had told him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelites were going out, of the, out, out to their battle line, shouting the war cries. So, oh, they shout and cries. This is good. All right, keep on going. Next verse. As he was talking with them, David was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, how did they respond? They began to run away in fright. Verse 25. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. They're talking to David. The king has offered a huge reward for anyone who kills this joker. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. We're going to meet up with her later, and that ain't that good of a prize. i got to be honest with you. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. How many of y'all like April 15th? Anybody? Nobody likes April 15th. You ain't got to pay any taxes. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a first sergeant. He says, you know, because uh, I was noticing he lives in, in, in Tennessee, but he has Fort Campbell. I mean, he has uh, um, Kentucky license plates. I'm like, hey, you know, yeah, Kentucky license plates. Well, you know, a lot of times they'll offer you, if you're a military, you don't have to pay taxes on your vehicle. I'm like, well, that's cool. You like when you buy it? He says, oh, it's really great until you get moved to another state. And you got to pay taxes on your vehicle. I'm like, in the Army, doesn't like moving anybody, do they? <laughs> He's like, yeah, right. Right? I mean, don't have to pay taxes forever. Everybody say forever. That would make me going to go, I'm going to think twice about this one now. You know what I mean? All right, keep on going. So, verse 26. What will a man get for killing this Philistine in defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And then next verse. Hmm. This is so amazing. He says this. Guys, why come you're not doing anything about this, David is saying? How come you're not going to do anything? About, how come y'all are just sitting here letting him, I mean, yell at you and inch by inch come closer? Y'all got to do something. And David's oldest brother, Eliab, who's been on the front lines, by the way, not doing nothing, says this to David. Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard David talking to the men, and he became angry with David and said, what are you doing here? Who is taking care of those sheep of yours out there in the wilderness, you smart aleck? You just came to watch the fighting. And listen to how David responds. <laughs> David says, what, what have I done? Can I even ask a question? All I asked was, what was going to happen if somebody kills this nasty, old, mean giant? Man, I just, I think that's amazing. Eliab isn't going to do anything about it, but he's going to criticize David when David is asking some questions. Isn't that like people? You know what? There are always going to be some people around in your life saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Let me tell you something. History is written by people who does it. Anybody can say you can't do it. Anybody. But let me tell you, and this is so very important. If God wants it done, he can even use a teenager to get it done. If God wants it done... You may be in the minority. Everybody else may be behind you going, I ain't, I ain't doing it. But if God is on your side, God can do it because our God is a fierce warrior. Now, so David is talking smack. How many of y'all talk smack? Any of y'all? I'm a smack talker. You need to know this. Now, I can't back up my smack talking, but I'm going to talk some smack, right? 
I'm going to go out there like the, uh, some of our staff. We've been playing racquetball together. I was, you know, I'm talking some smack. You play racquetball? I don't play racquetball. I want to play you, Dan Joker. Right? I'm out there and, you know, I'm teaching them how to play racquetball and I'm, I'm beating them. I was talking smack. I don't talk smack no more. It's a month later. They done gotten good. Right? I don't talk now. I'm just in the corner going, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> Let me tell you, David's talking and, and people are listening. In fact, even King Saul, word gets to him. Look at this. Verse 31. Some men heard what David had said and they told Saul who sent for him. David said to Saul, your majesty, no one should be afraid of this Philistine. I'm going to go and fight him. And Saul answered this. No. No, answered Saul. How could you fight him? You're just a, you're just a boy and he has been a all of his life. Again, there are always going to be people around you who say, you can't do it. You're just something. You're just a boy. You're just a girl. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the right education. You don't have the right experience. You don't, you don't, you don't. You need to know that we serve a God who does. And let me tell you, if God wants a giant slain, he can smack a giant upside the head with something as small as a rock. And that giant's going to go... Boom. Because if God wants something done, God will make it happen because he will be the one fighting for you. So he talks to Saul and Saul, see again, Saul, who was the person who should have been fighting this joker? Saul. But he's in his tent going, let me just come up with a plan where somebody else can fight this joker. Because I'm, I'm doing really good in here by myself. I got the crown on and I got some people playing with my feet, giving me pedicures and all that stuff. And he remained passive. And David said, I'm not going to be passive anymore. He just shows up and he says, I'll do it. He says, I'll do it. And he says, you can't do this. And David says, no, let me tell you, I'm a shepherd boy. And that don't mean a lot to you, but I've spent months, years by myself. And when a lion comes up and grabs a lamb, I'll take a stick and I'll beat that lion upside the head. When a bear comes, I'll get my slingshot and I'll get a stone and bam. I will jack that bear up. He's saying, you know what? You're, this is, and this is what's so amazing. David spent so much time by himself. David spent so much time watching those sheep all alone. David spent so much time reading the Bible when he was out there, reading the Hebrew scriptures and praying to God and sleeping outside under a just starry night where he just saw millions of stars. And he saw so much of the greatness and the bigness of God. He had spent so much time gazing to the face of a humongous God that anybody else looked like a midget in comparison to a big God. Anybody else, including a nine foot nine pygmy. Anybody else compared to God is itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny. Because David had spent so much time with God. And let me tell you this, friend, man or a woman, if more time you spend with God daily with Him, you're going to see some of your problems start shrinking in size, won't you? Some of you, how many of y'all ever like visited a school where you were at when you were a little bitty kid, maybe a, a kindergarten or first grader, you went back to it when you were an adult and you're like, man, this place is smaller. This place done shrunk. It hadn't shrunk. What happened? 
You got bigger. And let me tell you, the more time you spend with God, the bigger he's going to seem to get in your eyes. And all those nine foot nine finance problems are going to go itsy bitsy. Those nine foot nine marriage problems, those nine foot nine parenting problems, those nine foot nine problems with your job are going to shrink because your God has gotten bigger in your eyes. See, he's been big all along. But he's just gotten bigger in your eyes because you've been gazing more at him. Keep on going. I love this. He says, you know what? Your majesty, David said, I take care of my father's sheep. At any time, a lion or a bear carries off a lamb. I go after it, attack it, I rescue the lamb. And if a lion or bear turns on me, I grab it by the throat. Can you hear this? I grab it by the throat and I beat it to death. Dadgummit. Seriously, I love this. Um, and, and if... <laughs> I have killed lions and bears, and I will do the same to this heathen Philistine who has defied. Why? Who has defied the army of the living God. The Lord has saved me from lions and bears, and he's going to save me from this nappy, ugly, nasty, well-fortified giant. You see a giant, I see a little person. We represent the lollipop. You know what I'm saying? I will take care of this dude. Why? Because he worshipped a big, living God. That's why he's confident. Now, verse 40. He took his shepherd's stick, and then he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his bag. Now, this is so cool. These stones are actually a little too small. But I want to tell you how they did this. Somebody who did a slingshot, it's not one of these slingshots, right? What they did is they would have this woven hair or fiber, and at the end there would be a leather pouch. And they would put, uh, they would put a rock, a smooth rock, about the size of a softball. Everybody say softball. By the way, since it's a rock, it ain't soft. A softball, about two or three inches in diameter, and they would take it, and they would take, and they would whirl it. They'd get that thing, and they would release it, and that rock, would go about 100 to 150 miles per hour. Yes, Lord. Right? So that's what he's got here. He went and he picked up five smooth stones from the stream, and he went out to meet Goliath. But when Goliath got a good look at David, he was filled with scorn for him because he was just a nice, good-looking boy. He said to David, what's that stick for? You think I'm a dog? And he called down curses from his God on David. So this Goliath, he, he's confident in who? He's confident in himself. His nine foot, nine inch frame. And here you have this three, four, five foot David who's just a teenager is going, keep on talking, Joker. Because I'm not confident in me. I'm confident in God. In fact, look at what David replies. David answered, you come against me with your sword and spear and javelin? See, he said, you come against me with a stick, Goliath said. So he takes his own words. He starts smack talking. You come against me with sword, spear, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the Israelite armies, which you have defied. This very day, the Lord will put you in my power and I will defeat you. Not only am I going to defeat you, I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to give your body of the Philistine soldiers to the birds and the animals to eat. That's a guy rejecting passivity. That's a guy going, you, you, I'm going to, not only am I going to kill you, 
I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to hollow it out. I'm going to make it into an ashtray. And I mean, I mean, he just, he's smack talking here. Not because he's confident in himself, but he's confident in God. So he rejects passivity and look what happened this. I love this. When you, when you reject passivity and you just start a- acting like a warrior, you know what happens? Everybody sees how big God is. Look at this. Verse 46. Then the, I'm sorry, then the whole world will know that, that, they, that Israel has a God and everyone here will see that the Lord does not need swords. He doesn't need spears. We may be in the Iron Age. He don't need no iron sword. He don't need no iron spear. To save his people. He is a warrior who is victorious in battle. And he will put all of you in our power. Man, I like that. David knew he was outnumbered. He was outmatched. And it doesn't matter. Do you know that? See, some of you guys, you're like, man, I'm just, I'm the only Christian in my work. Ladies, some of you feel the same way. I'm the only, I, I, I feel like I'm trying to know God, but I'm just, I'm out there by myself. Put yourself in David's shoes, right? He's by himself with God. I got, I got to throw that one in there. He's by himself, but he's on God's side, which means he ain't by himself no more. Other day, somebody was picking on my son, Walt. I was at school. It's really ticked me off. And at the last day of school, I mean, these kids are punching him. And I'm, 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 I'm in an award ceremony, right? And I'm watching all this stuff happen. Immediately after the award ceremony, you know what I did? I got down, and those kids were still on the ground. I says, that is my son. Stop picking on him. And let me tell you, God, he is our heavenly father. And you need to know if you're getting picked on, if you're getting, you feel like you're getting your lunch eaten. If you're on your heavenly father's side, he will take care of business. Do you know that? Does that should make somebody excited? Some of y'all going, it's so hot. (laughs) It's hot up here with the lights too. But let me tell you, God has you here for a reason, people. And some of you, you're facing out some nasty giants. And you're thinking, you know what, if I just move, it'll fix the problem. If I get a new wife, it'll fix the problem. If I get a new job, it'll fix the problem. And running away from giants never fixes the issue. Never, ever, ever, never. Let's see what happens. It's how it ends. Verse 48, Goliath started walking towards David again. And by the way, what did David do? David go, oh, he's walking towards me. I'm deuced out, bro. See ya. What did David do? David ran quickly before the Philistine battle line to fight him. So David, he's running. Foom. All right, he's going. He ain't passive. Keep on reading. He reached into his bag and took out a stone, which he slung at Goliath. Foo, foo, foo. Bam, 150 miles an hour. It hit him in the forehead and broke his skull. I guess so. And Goliath fell face downward on the ground. And so without a sword. By the way, I'd interject without an iron sword. Without a bronze sword. 
Without a sword, David defeated and killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. He ran to him, stood over him. This is, if this was a movie, this would not be PG. This wouldn't be PG-13. This would be rated R stuff because of the violence. He stood over him, took out Goliath's sword out of his sheath, and cut off his head and killed him. He's standing over going... Right? He's doing the Saul thing, right? I mean, this is the gladiator moment. This is our man moment, men. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran away. Well, again, I guess so. If God, if their God can defeat a nine foot nine giant, then their God can defeat anything. And let me just throw this out here. Whatever you're facing, remain passive no longer. Give you a three couple of illustrations and we're done of how we can apply this. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're having issues with your spouse, husband or wife, and, and you're thinking, I just need to find another one. Running away never fixes the problem. Ever, ever, ever. What's going to happen is those giants are going to get bigger and become better fortified. Never fixes the problem. Some of you guys, I'm going to talk to you guys. Let me tell you, you pursued your wives when you dated them, right? I mean, serious, you were, you were Casanova. She, you were Romeo. She was Juliet, right? Now, guys, what happens if you didn't pursue your girl when you were dating, I could tell you it's called, it's called natural selection. You don't propagate, right? If you don't pursue, you don't propagate, and it's shallow end of the gene pool stuff, right? Let me tell you guys, you pursued your wife. You went out and you, you, you said, hey, baby, and she asked, where are we going for our date? You ain't got nothing to worry about that. I took it all. I took care of all of it. And, and now you go, when you do go out on a date, she asks, what are we doing? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? You want to go to a movie? Iron Man's on. Seriously. Now, by the way, you need to know this. I never took any of my first dates out to a movie. In fact, my wife, we really don't do movies. You know why? Because we don't communicate at a movie. I'll go out with my guy friends. We'll go see Iron Man. But I'm not going to take my wife out just to a movie because we don't talk. So, guys, you have the plan already in your head. You pick her up. You open the door for her. You close the door for her. You don't make her pay for supper. You pay for supper. You go out and you do the, the romantic fascizzle thing up by the river and all that stuff. You do that. You plan it. You pursue her. You actually make the plans. You follow through. That is what an active male does. Some of you, and this is the last one we'll hit. Man, this frustrates me to death. Some of you are like, I just, Chris, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of church. And I don't feel like, you know, uh, you know I, just, I, I, I just don't know God. But this, let me tell you what I hear when I hear that. This is what I hear. That you expect the Bible on its own to drop and to open and you to go, ah! somebody to read it to you and then for you to actually begin your relationship with God. Let me tell you, that doesn't happen. 
You have to take initiative. And if you want to know God better, you have to open up your Bible. Watch this. This is getting crazy. I'm going to do that in slow motion. You've got to have a plan and every day, everybody say every day. Every day you've got to get into this book if you want to know God better. See, some of you, you're in military and you go and they give you all the plans and all that stuff. You memorize that stuff, right? Why? Because if you don't, you don't get promoted. If you don't, when you get over and you do get deployed, you know, okay, the claymore, which way do I face it? That's important. All right? You're going to read the book on that one. Let me tell you, if you want to know more about God, you've got to read this book. I got a dude right now, him and I are in accountability. And he's going to, you know, I want you to ask me when I read the Bible. So we're reading through the book of Luke together. And this is a fellow who says, you know, I just, I'm never really connected with God that much through the Bible. He is texting me saying, have you read Luke chapter six, Chris? It's awesome. And I'm, you know, that day I was like, I hadn't read it. But thanks for, you know, holding me accountable, right? So, I'm, you know, he's getting, and what does it mean by this? And he's in this, and guess what? Every day he's reading a chapter of Luke. Now, it don't have to be a chapter if you ain't got time for a chapter. I promise you, it won't take long. But maybe you start in the book of Proverbs, whatever. You've got to take initiative if you want to know God. If you're not getting anything out of it, that's more of a commentary on you than it is about one church. Because you have to take Directive and initiative for your spiritual walk. If you are going to be a man of God who's going to be a warrior, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. So I'm asking you, we began this time today. God said in Ezekiel, I've looked everywhere for a man who will stand in the gap. And I'm going to ask you, are you that man? Are you that man who says, you know what? I reject passivity. I am going for it. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to lead my spouse. I'm going to lead my children. And you don't come with this jacked up mentality that that's a woman's job. No, Deuteronomy chapter 6 says it's a man's job. And you say, I am going to do it. How many of y'all going to be warriors in here? Praise God. Awesome. 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 Let's pray. God, we love you. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have everybody here today that wanted to be here today in the hot, in the sweat, and all of this stuff. And God, it's amazing what a shepherd boy could do with just five stones. That is amazing, God, that he did this without a sword, without iron, without bronze coat mail, that he did this just by himself and with God on his side. I wonder what God could do with some men and women who said, you know what, I am willing to be used by God. And I am stepping out. And I'm doing it. And I'm doing it. And I'm doing it. That we would take initiative and that we would be real men. That we would be warriors. That we would follow our warrior God. And that we would no longer run from giants, that we would no longer ignore giants, but we would face them head on. All of our giant problems. Because you (laughs) can take care of some giants. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.